All right, the gang is back together for the Miami Sports Pod, and I guess it's the theme because the Miami Heat appear all back together as it stands right now in this offseason. Will there be more changes? That is the topic of today's Miami Sports Podcast. Will Manso, Dookie Lang, Clay Furrow all back together again, guys, after a few weeks of vacations and haircuts and all kinds of other things. Uh, but we're ready to talk some heat. I don't even recognize Dookie Lang right now. Yeah, Who is this guy? Dookie Lang got a haircut. I know that's not good potting because you know, oh, it's, it's huge, it's non-visual. People non-visual are super excited. Things, but you, you, you know, you look like uh, I don't even know what you look like. You look like a teenage girl, and it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> It's, that's a good way to start. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's got TV hair now because Duke, he's been on TV a couple of times. He got a haircut. He looks really I good. was advised. But I was advised does, to get TV so hair. So does that mean like if, when we, days we produce, should we get producer hair? Oh, yes. That's a great question. Wake up with like bed head. You, you have to come. You have to come dressed. You can't shave. Mm-hmm. You have to wear your best free T-shirt, and this is a tradition that goes back twenty-something years at this station. Your best free T-shirt, preferably long sleeve, and your hair should be uncombed. Can and, I tell you? Can I tell I you like why? I, can I tell you why I lost it when you said he looks like a teenage girl? Because I was expecting you to go the complete opposite direction. I thought you were going to say, "Oh, he looks like Brad Pitt. He looks right, like right. Benicio del Toro. Well, he just looks nice. beautiful." Like, and I, then you the hair, but off off air, I've told him the hair actually looks good. But we, on the pod, we can't start it off with a compliment. So my my daughter says to me. She says, "Daddy, where's your puffy hair?" Yeah. And I said, <laughs> "I said, back. I said, well, it's it's gone for right now. I, ha- I have to get this haircut for work." And she goes, "Are you gonna get your puffy hair back?" <laughs> and I said, "I don't know. Probably, unless Will and Clay take another vacation." <laughs> yeah, you got, you got, puffy hair will be back one day. For now, you've got the uh, the the short. Look, it's sharp, and and for now, as we begin our podcast talking about the Miami Heat, that's what we're going to focus on. Look, we haven't talked Heat in a few weeks because it's been quiet, and you know they've had their summer league. It's not exactly a hot topic. Yeah, Duncan Robinson has played well. I just Great. now I have to throw out like four pages of notes because you said yeah. we're not going to talk about summer. Well, I mean, league, Derek so Jones Jr. looked nice, but look, let's face it. I mean, for the Heat fan that's listening and that's waiting and that's looking at their Twitter every two seconds and and hoping that Woj sends a notification about a move, it hasn't been the most thrilling offseason. And we all said the same thing. We expected he moves this offseason. How big was the question? We haven't got any major moves, but let's get caught up. Wayne Ellington this week resigns one year, uh, reportedly about six and a half million dollars, six and a quarter, whatever it is. Uh, good price, one year. Guy set the team record last year and three pointers made. I think it's a nice move. We can get into that. Carmelo Anthony is still out there. Uh, this weekend, though, it was reported what had been really known, but it was kind of reported as fact that the Rockets are the contender, the main focus for Melo, that they're, they're the main focus, you know, they're focusing on him and that the Heat are kind of in second. So let's go. Let's start in those points before we even get into any other bigger names. Let's start with Melo. We discussed a bit in the past on whether Melo would be a good fit. As the offseason has progressed, Clay, do you, given that the Heat have been very quiet do you think getting Melo is the big move, the move they need to make? I think he would help. I, or let me let me go back on that for a second. I think he would help if he comes here and he gets in heat shape and proves that last year was an aberration. If he can get anywhere near what he was three to four years ago, then yeah, I think he could help this team a lot because the one thing this team was lacking more than anything else last year was that go-to guy when the shot clock winds down who could get his own shot. They really lacked that. Now, was Melo that last year? Well, he took a lot of shots. Didn't work out so well for him at OKC. So I think there's there's an aspect that he could bring that they're missing. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, and I didn't want to cut you off, but if you look at Melo, he made the most three-pointers in his career last year. That's because he took the most. He exactly. only shot 35%. So while he made the most, it was kind of a product of the system, which in Houston the system would be chuck a lot of threes. Right. 
Is he a better fit in Houston or Miami? See, I think he is a better fit for what the Heat need. Now, I I see where he would work in Houston. I think they're lacking that scorer off the bench because that's what this has all been about, right? If he comes to Miami, he would likely start. He would play the four. He'd get more minutes with the starting unit, potentially more minutes overall. He goes to Houston, then he would be the guy that would be coming off the bench and kind of be that that, that energizer bunny, Mm -hmm. so to speak, as far as the scoring goes. Because that's you've got Harden and Chris Paul with the starters, but you don't have that guy that go-to guy off the bench my question would be where does he get the shots down the stretch right and and so if he he wants to come in and really impact the team wouldn't he have a little bit more impact and thus be a better fit in Miami where they're truly lacking everything that he would bring but let's go to the flip side that's the best for Melo but is Melo the best for the Heat I don't think so I, I personally think that uh you want to develop your young guys at this point. When I look at this Heat offseason right now, it's it's an interesting flip that's gone in on my mind. When LeBron was out there, there was this tiny, teeny part of me that was like, well, you know, he likes it down here. Yeah, we, he, all, we all we, I'm not, sure. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it would happen, but I was like, you know, maybe, okay, whatever. Didn't happen, obviously. And then when the Kawhi rumors first started, I was like, hey, Kawhi, may, a year of Kawhi, maybe. Uh, By the way, that's not dead. Which Let's is not, not de- kill that right. yet because he hasn't gone anywhere. Right. But now, for some reason, as the summer has gone on and as nothing has happened, I'm more interested in who the Heat are going to subtract than who the Heat are going to add. I would be more excited by subtractions and addition at this point. Names. For example, if they could move Tyler Johnson, if they could move... Hassan, so you're talking they, contracts. You're I'm, ta- on, I, I'm contracts talking that, about moving money, not yeah. human beings. They're, I'm sure they're lovely. I'm talking about their contracts. So <laughs> I'm more interested in this logjam, this idea of the mm-hmm. logjam. And I think Carmelo, in terms of a team that has a logjam at the two and the three, yeah, I know he kind of plays the four, but that's a lot of shots that you're adding to this logjam. I'm glad you said logjam because that's where I stand. I am still waiting on, I always take Pat Riley and his word because I always think Pat Riley spreads those breadcrumbs and he really does a good job at the end of the year of laying out some hints on what he wants to do. When Pat Riley says there is a logjam and we have too many good players, too many similar players, which by the way, we all agree with that, I'm waiting for those moves to come. I still find it hard to believe that the Miami Heat will return next season with Dion Waiters then coming into the mix. Remember, Dion mm-hmm. missed all those games, and he was, he's a guy who's, you got to have 15, 18 shots from a night, and that's okay because he's your guy that's kind of the guy with the guts and the guy that will take those big shots in the, in the big situations. So you're adding another 15 shots, but you're not subtracting any of the players in that rotation, including, as you mentioned, some young guys who I think you want to develop, Jay Rich, want to get him more shots. Justice, we saw an aggressive justice in the Philly series, may have been the one bright spot mm-hmm. outside of Dwayne Wade, but Dwayne's Dwayne, there's really no need to like look for bright spots there. The only bright spot you looked at in that series was justice aggressiveness. If he can parlay that into the season, if Jay Rich can be that guy too, with the two-way player with offense and defense, that is when, I, to me, you see some sort of improvement. But if you have Dion coming back who needs his 15 shots, you know, Dwayne, if he comes back, if he comes back again, he's going to be a guy who takes his shots. How are you clearing this logjam? What, what are you doing to fix this logjam? I find it hard to believe this will be it. This thing comes down to assets and liabilities. And we talked about this on Sports Sunday. And, and, and Dookie, I want to go back to what you said. Uh, look, 
it, it's kind of tough when you're talking about people and and really you have to view this as contracts right because Hassan Whiteside on a minimum contract would be very very valuable Hassan Whiteside's contract at 27 million dollars in two years is a liability yeah so assets and liabilities here are your liabilities right now Hassan Whiteside's contract Tyler Johnson's contract, to a certain extent, Deion Waiter's contract because of the injury. I think those are the, and those are the three guys. I I don't think coincidentally that Barry Jackson reported that they're at least looking to move right now. Right now, they're not trying to attach, and they're trying not to attach any assets in order to move those liabilities. They're telling other teams, here you can have our liabilities. The problem is, if you're not attaching an asset to that, and other teams are viewing this as liabilities, they're like, all right, well, we either have to do a negative for a negative, a liability for a liability, or you got to include an asset here. By the way, you want to be on the move. Our sponsor today, Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you that there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Now, I, you said something very interesting there. You said a few things, but the one thing that really caught my attention was the assets. If Pat Riley knows he wants to change this roster, whether it be a big move like a Kawhi Leonard or, or a Jimmy Butler, which we haven't gotten into yet, but those are names that are floating out there, or a small move of just moving a contract, right? Why are assets then like a J. Rich or a Justice or a Bam, which let's face it, those are when people talk assets with the Heat, those are the assets, or a potential first-round pick down the road. Why are those seen as such key assets when in the big picture you want so much more? Because right now... You don't know if that so much more is going to be around much. And, and let me give you some examples. Let's say hypothetically that you're going after Kawhi or Jimmy Butler. If you thought that those guys were going to re-sign with you, almost a slam dunk, then you 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 send the moon. You send the moon to San Antonio. You send the moon to Minnesota, whatever but the, it takes. But I, I want you to keep going, but the reports have been that they're not even looking at that. Like, they're not even considering. They won't They won't look at anything to trade these guys, which, remember, Riley said that no one's untouchable. Right. Which is, see that, and I understand, look, you're going to say things in the media, you're going to say things behind the scenes, things are going to leak that, that are misleading at times. But something's got to give here. I think it's the timing. I think if this were a year from now, for a couple of different reasons, I think one year from now, I think, and, and let's take Justice Winslow out of the mix real quick, because in a year, uh, he has the opportunity to become a free agent, restricted free agent, but he'll be a free agent. So you can't just easily attach him to a deal. In one year, though, you would assume and hope that, that Bam is even better. Uh, Josh Richardson improves even more. You're closer to that 2019 draft if you want to make a, a, a trade with that 2019 first-round pick. That 2022 pick now may become really, really valuable now that it's looking like uh, you're going to have the double draft in 2022, not 2021 potentially. Those were reports over the weekend. In one year, you have a better idea if a Kyrie Irving, if a, if a Kawhi Leonard has a, a chance Jimmy for Butler. a Jimmy Butler, then all of a sudden you can start to say, all right, our liabilities no longer hurt us as much because Hassan Whiteside, if he opts in, is going to be on an expiring contract. Tyler Johnson will be on an expiring contract. Dion Waiters, your guys are going to be closer to that free agency point where other teams would be maybe a little bit more likely to take those guys on. I know everybody wants to see moves, and I think we were all right there. We all felt like, all right, this team cannot come back as constructed because you've got that log jam there, right? 
if your focus is let's make this a championship team, you don't want to sell low on everybody. And right now, Hassan Whiteside's contract is never going to be a bigger liability than it is right now. Tyler Johnson's contract, because it's two years, not one, is never going to be a bigger liability than it is right now. So I think what Riley's looking at this as, well, to answer your question, I think he's looking at this as let's not sell low on all of these liabilities and let's not buy high on some of these assets from other teams if we don't know that they're going to stay with us. The problem is now you're getting into the whole, the two words that every owner dreads, luxury tax. You're getting into that situation the way that he, and I understand, you don't have to clear it until the end of the next season. They have through the end of the regular season. They've got time to potentially make moves. But again, I find it hard to believe that they will go in after what Riley said of logjam and and changes and not this not being acceptable and, and and improvement from within and all these things that they're gonna now insert a healthy Deion Waiters, which they do expect to be back either you know in time for camp or during camp regularly for the regular season, with the same pieces, now paying the luxury tax, now having to be in position to pay the luxury tax. This isn't even without Dwayne coming back. We assume Dwayne's coming back, but Again, until he makes it official, we don't know. I just, David, feel strongly that there's a there's still something going to happen this offseason. I, I really, really think so. I will never forget when Mickey Arison did not go into the luxury tax for James Posey, which I know James Posey is not like a superstar, but I was I was a big James Posey guy. I thought he, he was kind of a glue guy. I thought he added a lot. And when the Heat let him go, I'm like, wow, okay, Mickey doesn't want to go into the luxury tax. I... For that team, we're talking about a team that was like coming off a championship. This is a team that was coming off of losing in the first round of the playoffs. It's a different level. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to address something that Clay talked about because I think it's really interesting. Uh, all of which you talked about, actually, was pretty interesting. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. I know. I, well, you guys insult me and I come back with kindness. <laughs> Makes you guys feel guilty. So uh, this idea of so much more. Okay, you guys both introduced this idea of so much more. Why are the Heat reluctant to trade assets? Why are they reluctant to get rid of Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow, and Bam Adebayo? Because they could be the so much more. That's the problem. If you attach one of those players' contracts to a deal, if you trade Justice Winslow along with Hassan, or if you trade Josh along with Hassan, or if you, if you pick one of those three young players to get rid of a bad contract, and that player turns out to be a star— mm -hmm or thrives, and you pick the wrong player, you're going to regret it. So that's the confusion, because the Heat have this culture of player development. They have this culture of, they're not, Pat Riley doesn't love the draft, but they happen to have picked three really interesting players in the draft. In Josh, who could be really good defensively, who could be a good shooter, who needs to be more assertive on offense, but has a pretty big ceiling. Justice Winslow, who we saw in the playoffs, we don't know what he can be. Very strong, very young, very excellent physical. defender. Yeah. Could Developed into a decent three-point shooter, even though people joked about his, sh his shooting. And then Bam, who, my goodness, what could he be? Freak athlete, large. This summer he was handling the ball. So you have three players who, what is their upside? And so if you, if you decide to get rid of a liability and you pick the wrong asset to get rid of, 
that's going to have that, oh my God, we traded Miguel Cabrera feel that the Marlins have had for like 20 years. Uh, uh, 100%. And that's why I strongly feel you don't get rid of an asset just to move a deal with no guarantee that you're getting back someone who is that I guy. I agree. I don't think you dump those guys right. to just get rid of Hassan's contract. When yes. in two years, the contract's You just got to pick anyways. right, is my point. You got, you got, of those, See, of you're, those you're, three, you don't have three stars, but one of them could here's be. Here's the deal. I, I, and this is where we're having two different conversations. I right. understand what you're saying. Yes. To me, you only attach those guys if a star is coming in return. Right. That's it. Right. And and who are the stars out there? Kawhi. Not Kawhi. Uh, Jimmy Butler. I think you have to inquire. DeMar DeRozan. Guys like that that could be out there. I think those are the ones you inquire about. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you should expect the Heat to get one of those guys. But I certainly would attach one of those guys, two of those guys, a draft pick, whatever, maybe to try to get a player like that. Would you do it now or would you wait until next offseason when you had something of a get? Like, let's just say, well, what's the better option? Do you go for Jimmy Butler now? Let's use Jimmy Butler's example right now. Mm-hmm. Because there is the report out there that he and Kyrie Irving want to play together. And, yeah. and Miami's a pretty nice place. We've seen both of them hanging out down here. And again, a lot of people do anyway. So hypothetically speaking, do you make that move for Jimmy Butler now, roll the dice that he loves it here, and he sticks around next offseason, or do you wait until next offseason, you find out through back channels that he does want to sign here, and then you move the, those deals because you know he's coming? Basically, you're saying, do you do an Oklahoma City Thunder? Yes. Who took a chance on Paul George and it paid off. Yes. Now, it didn't necessarily pay off in wins because they had a good season and they got eliminated right away, but it paid off and now solidifying a superstar for the next three years. I think you have to have some sort of reassurance. I think you have to have that conversation with with whoever that player is, their agent and their representation. But I also think Pat Riley knows, given that there's a two-year window before anyone can compete with the Warriors. Mm -hmm. And that's why when people people exaggerate, I probably am too sensitive to this since I I, I really – I do think Pat Riley's got a good idea of what's going on here. And I understand that there may have been some miscalculations on contracts. But not a pass is not the word I want to say. But the Heat are no different than the majority of the NBA right now. So fans think, oh, what is Riley doing? They could be they're not competing with the Warriors. No one is right now. Even a team that gets LeBron James isn't necessarily competing with the Warriors. Are the, are the Lakers gonna compete with the Warriors? No. So for me, Riley's biggest thing is try to figure out how you're gonna be that team in two years. One of those ways is to acquire a superstar sign that superstar long-term and build around that superstar. You have a two-year window to do that. That's why I thought this offseason is so important with so many guys' names kind of dangling out there. But the problem is, so far this offseason, if you look at what they've done, they kept Wayne, okay? Nice piece. Like you said, set the franchise record. Yeah, Wayne for, yeah it's one yeah, year. I, I th- one year, a show-me contract. He can go get money next summer when there's a lot more money out there. He did a great job in the Heat culture, got into good shape. Solid move. I have no problem with that. Love to keep Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Wade at the mid-level exception. Would like to keep uh, probably Udonis for another year. But someone's got to go. Like, I, have, I haven't I have seen it. You look at their roster, they're over the luxury tax, and someone has to go. And I almost, I, I almost think if you're looking at a two-year vision, it's more important to get rid of bad contracts at this time than it is to necessarily acquire because I don't think you're getting superstars. Now, truthfully, the best plan could be to just kind of keep this logjam for another year, do what you can with this roster, reincorporate Dion Waiters, maybe a trade Dion down the line. I would not trade Dion right now because he's coming off an injury and his stock is low. Let him come back. Let him be healthy. You want to trade him midseason? That's fine. But I wouldn't get rid of Dion now. But I almost think you, like you guys talk about, Hassan will be an expiring contract next year. Tyler, 
it's almost like that Gorn Gorn is getting there too. You you, you, run, you run it back for one year, and then it's much easier to make moves next year. Unfortunately, it is. and and look, and it to me it kind of seems like they're going that way. I don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't. Right. I haven't seen. We keep waiting and waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it might not drop till there, 2019. There's still off season left, and I still think there's a lot of time and stuff left. But I will say this: they get Dion Waiters back. And I, and I am on the on the Dion bandwagon. I was a huge fan of Dion two years ago because I thought he was the most vital player on the team. I thought he had a 30-game stretch where he was almost a 20-point scorer and he, the whole 7-11, and he had mm-hmm. a really nice thing going. Then the ankle injury happens, and they, they just fall apart, don't make the playoffs. Last year, he was never the same player. I mean, he struggled early. He just didn't look right. I think all indications are he's going to be fine. People, I think, forget that that's a damn good player in his mid-20s who I think could be very good for this team. The question is, you could just sit back and say, hey, Eric Spolster, work your magic. We pay you good money as a great head coach. Uh, Mix and match these guys as best you can night in and night out and be a 45-win team, maybe win a series in a wide-open East. But how much does that change your long-term plan? Well, a couple points I want to I want to make clear here. Uh, number one, the luxury tax thing, you have until the end of the year to get out of that. Yes. And, and I think part of this right now, too, is uh, Riley does not want to give an asset and attach a liability to it just to get out of luxury tax right now. I think he's rolling the dice that by the time the trade deadline rolls around, uh, some of these liabilities may not look as bad. Let, let's say that Hassan Agreed. goes up to... De- Deion Waiters comes back healthy and plays like he did two years ago when healthy then all of a sudden hey he, he may start to go more towards the asset column so i think that's kind of what he's looking at a little bit but so you're going to roll that dice that that's what's going to happen if you're pat riley and then it may potentially incur that luxury tax if you can't move guys no i i think it's more he's looking at it to, to, to answer that question i i think that's probably where he's looking right now that he doesn't want to attach an asset right now i think he would rather roll the Might dice well on that yes um now with that said if they get closer and closer to the trade deadline and nothing has happened and he gets a knock on the door from mickey arison and he says hey uh, we're not winning the East this year. Uh, we're in the luxury tax. We've talked about this. We're not paying the luxury if we're not going to the finals. So you got to get something done. Then I think you circle back and you attach one of those assets, begrudgingly, of course, uh, but you do it. So, and the way you couch that then is, hey, we don't want to be a repeat offender down no, the no, line no. when maybe we do have those. Good. Um, so I think that's that's the, the biggest thing that I, I wanted to make clear there is they don't have to do it right now, even though there are benefits too. Look, this is something they don't control, but we haven't said it yet, but it needs to to be said, even though I think Heat fans who are listening already know this, the most important move left in this offseason for the Heat for this season is they've got to find a way to get Dwayne to come back. 100%. They've got to get Dwayne to say, hey, I'm on board. Sell him on his finish and how important he was, which you don't really have to sell on. I think Dwayne knows that now, and he got <laughs> that swagger back, and he got that confidence back, seeing that he could still be the man. This is his town. They love him here. But for so many reasons, from the performance of the team, to ticket sales, to interest, to excitement in this town, the Miami Heat need Dwayne Wade to come back. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. I've been saying that since the season ended. I will add this. Just in terms of personality, I don't know an athlete who is more suited to want that retirement tour where they go to every building and they get the love. I don't know of an athlete more suited to that than Dwayne. He's he's a, and I don't people, say that as an insult. I don't think Dwayne. I don't think Dwayne, if he does come back, is going to say this is it. I think he's going to say, hey, "I'm ready to play another well, year." Well, I year listen. Right. I, I don't lo- think Dwayne's doing a retirement tour this year. I think I, he's got two years. Left. I I I would like to see him play two more years. I think that'd be great. But whatever it is, that 
man is not leaving the NBA until he gets his proper love as one of the great two guards to ever play the game. He wants to go to every arena. He wants he he has always he's got he's got a little bit of that in him. He's he he likes that. He likes that adulation. He works for it. He's earned it. But he, I definitely think he's got that in him. Some some people would be like some people like I I I don't like that. I don't want that kind of attention. Dwayne likes that kind of attention. You know what? He's a damn good player and deserves it. I don't have a problem with that. But it suits his personality. Will I I think we both kind of have to defer to David here because I don't know if anybody is better at uh, patting themselves on the back That's and wanting point. attention. I actually well, I actually <laughs> want to retain weight of television. I producers. want I want a victory tour for like I'm going on vacation now for two weeks. You've been so doing I, a tour all weekend. <laughs> I'd like for you guys to like applaud me slowly as I walk out of the building here at 12 o'clock after Sports Sunday. Listen, I'll, I'll take you to our sponsor, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. So we'll, we'll ride you in a Vera Cadillac around town in your goodbye tour. Can I make a point about this log jam real quick? I, I want to go back to, to what Riley said. He, had, he said we have a log jam of good to great players, right? I think the bigger problem is they have a log jam of players who do relatively the same thing or, or have very similar skill sets. So let's go back to the Wayne Ellington signing. They have no one on the roster outside of Wayne Ellington who does what Wayne Ellington does. Robinson, Duncan? No, yeah. Duncan Robinson, we can talk that's about it. it. Yeah, yeah, because I'm sure he's going to come in and all of a sudden turn into Ray Allen 2.0. Um, <laughs> but no, they have nobody on the roster that does what Wayne Ellington does. So I I don't feel like re-signing him adding to the log jam. I think he was someone you had to have on this team regardless. Same thing with Melo, where if you brought him in, I think he adds something you don't currently have. I think some of these players, that the three names that keep getting mentioned, Hassan, Dion, and, and Tyler Johnson, you you have a lot of what those guys are. With Hassan, Bam is eventually going to be the starting center on this team, right? I think we all feel that way. He'll be that small ball center. Uh, Dion and, and Tyler both when they play well they do bring something really really nice to this team but you have other guys that also do that so I I have no problem if they do pivot and keep pushing for Melo I had no problem with the Ellington signing but I'm with you guys you have a lot of guys in that log jam that do relatively the same thing and that's the problem from game to game this is when people criticize Eric Spolster and I always say the same thing look I think Spolster is one of the best coaches in the NBA I don't think he has any explaining to do to anyone but there are a few coaches in the league, and I don't know, I, I would have to look through every team, but there are a few coaches in the league that have this type of logjam where night in and night out, you don't know who your go-to guy's going to be. But that's not only tough on a coach, that's tough on a Tyler Johnson. Yes. Tyler Johnson's a guy who needs to get in some sort of rhythm. We've seen him get in the rhythm of three or four games, but then you got Deion Waiters and Dwayne Wade and Wayne Ellington. Yep. And, and the way they, the Heat work their big man around, do you go big with, with Bam and, and Hassan in the same lineup or Kelly on the court? And you, all these guys that I just mentioned, these are all key. I haven't mentioned Jay Rich and, and Justice. I mean, those all these guys that are key contributors, how does a Tyler make that improvement and get in that rhythm when some nights he's going to be a guy that maybe takes 16 shots in, in 28 minutes, 30 minutes, and some nights he may take five shots. And don't forget, two years ago, Tyler Johnson led the NBA in fourth quarter minutes. The Heat were building him to be a closer type. Last year, that all went away. Mm -hmm. And that's not Eric Spolster's fault. That's not Tyler Johnson's fault. That's 
just too many damn guys that yeah. play the same type of game's fault. It's and, and when you try to play the hot hand, how hard is it to play the hot hand? I mean, that's a hard thing to do when you're when you're in Vegas and you're gambling, you're trying to play the hot hand on the table, like you're figuring out, mm-hmm. I stay with this, I stay with that. I mean, it's very hard. It's, it's very hard to predict who's going to be the hot hand and who do you ride for the hot hand and whether that does to others. Eric Spolster has some tough decisions night in and night out that other coaches don't have. Can Pat Riley be charged a repeater tax for the roster? Just having like the same two or three players. The repeater. Just, repeater. The, the repeater. They they repeat the same skill set. The sad part is he had that joke. I had that he five minutes ago. He was five he was minutes. Like I, I was so excited. He was for waiting that. for one of us to yeah. say can, repeater, can, and can then I, he could use it. Can I can I make fun of myself even further? I listen to the way we talk and how often we quote Pat Riley's end of the year newser, log jam, transformative player. We've been talking for months about his newser, and I remember watching it the first time, and I was like. That was okay. That was all right. That was, you know, it was Riley wasn't in Riley wasn't in rare form. And meanwhile, here he, we are, months later, quoting it like scripture because like, he set the narrative. He does no, what Riley it's does. Just, no, it's he just funny. The narr- no, you're right. You're it's just funny. Right. I watched it. I watched the first time I watched it, and I watched it a few times because you know I have a big life. Is I was just like, okay, that's Riley, and he's he, and then as time goes by, it's it's almost like the usual suspects. Like I'm going back through clues. I'm like, what did that coffee mug he was holding signify? And like I'm starting to put. So Riley's Kaiser Sose, I get it. Yes, Riley is Kaiser Sose. Something though, this is a really good point because I I, I still go no, back to the I, no 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 credit. I thought there was there was such a contrast between end of year Pat Riley and draft night Pat Riley, and I felt like you're right about that. There, there was a period of time between those two news conferences where I'm sure they made calls around at the end of the year. Riley felt like all right. We'll be able to get rid of some of these guys in this log jam with no problem. We'll we'll, we'll dump them off, maybe attach a, 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 a severely protected second round pick, right? To get rid of, and we'll be fine. I think they made calls and realized, Uh-oh. oh boy, nobody is buying what we're selling. Nobody is trying to get take on these contracts that we want to get rid of to move this log jam. And so I, I think that that was the reason why you saw Pat Riley seem a, a bit resigned in that in that post draft news conference. He, he did sound that that night. And I wondered how much it's a setup to just kind of get people off his back and they kind of just say, hey, and then just pounce. And then you could lower expectations. Yeah, and then all the columns will come out like Pat Riley still got it. You know, (laughs) Pat Riley still knows what he's doing, laying in the weeds, waiting, pouncing, attacking. You know, it could be, or we could be here and doing our opening night pod saying, holy hell, it's the same (laughs) team coming back. With just with Dion, but you, you don't you don't think I mean let's let's just cut through all of this because just to just to be clear on your position because I think you've said this since day one you don't think the same roster is coming back I you think something's going to happen two things Pat Riley said at the logjam which we which again back to your narrative theme has been a, a word I rarely use and now I've said a thousand times since that that news conference is log now when anytime I talk about the heat on the pot I always think about team. Splash Mountain when I hear logjam yes, log and jam. I love that ride you know how with the log flumes they all get backed up when you okay. Okay. That's my favorite okay. ride at Disney. Okay. As okay. I was saying, how do you do? Really so, so you got a log jam, right? That to me, and then number two is you got Dion coming back. Mm-hmm. These are these are things that don't get fixed by saying the same, and and you don't get internal improvement that Riley talks about, which he also talked about. Hey, guys, internally have to get better by cutting people's minutes. You still have the Dwayne situation, which I think we all agree Dwayne will be back. Mm-hmm. Now he may not, and that certainly would a. Alleviate a bit the logjam, but then B, 
exasperate a lot more the fact that this team doesn't have a go-to guy and what do you do? You know, so it's like we're, we, there's a lot going on with this Dwayne decision. That's why I said it's the most final thing left. But to answer your question, I just think something's got to give from now to opening night. I do. As for the Dwayne thing, I think you you mentioned ticket sales, right? I think back to the Yankees, the the end of the previous Yankee dynasty to the new era of Yankees baseball. One of the things that the Yankees were able to very smartly do is as they transitioned from one set of great players to another is they started to sell nostalgia. And I think that the Heat, if they get another year or two of Dwayne, can sell the nostalgia of Dwayne. They could do inside the heats about it. They could, they could, it, it covers no, that. I get it that. Co- it, co- it brilliantly covers the transition from whatever we are at now to whatever Riley's vision of another super team You're is. 100% so that, right. that is where he's, he is so pivotal. Whether he's, whether he's himself on the court, whether he's a shell of himself, whether he's a bench Guys, player. Let's, 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 we've said this before on the pod. I'll say it again. You're right. Number one. Yes, it's a nostalgia thing. You want Dwayne to, to end off here in Miami and do it in a kind of a, a farewell tour yeah. of nostalgia with marketing, and it's great. But more importantly than that, he was their best player last year down the stretch. From the moment he arrived in Miami last year back here through that game that he won a game in Philly and almost won a second one in that mm-hmm. series, he's, he was the best player on the Heat. Dwayne Wade at 35 was the best player on the Heat last season. Is that is that an is that can we argue that? Or, no, I no. think it I think it told you what this roster is, and, and that's that's not. Look, it, this is the thing that kind of kills me when when you peruse social media is fans screaming, "Oh, we got to get rid of guys!" I, I'm I'm so tired of having X, Y, and Z on our roster, and then at the same time becoming exasperated with Pat Riley when he's not trading the guys because nobody else wants them. Like you know these players and other GMs do their jobs pretty pretty well, and they're not going to take on these players that you don't want uh, because they're trying to do you a favor like Dwayne Wade was the best player down the stretch on this team and in the playoffs because that's kind of what this roster is yeah I agree and and again it goes back to the amount of players that have similar skill sets and not one stands above the other now you were hoping Gorn in his all-star season would be that go-to guy but Gorn the one thing I've noticed about Gorn and this is not a knock on Gorn it's this is this is actually actually a compliment of Gorn. He's so good throughout the course of early in the game and, and getting the team started and gaming and getting out the dependable guy that I think he got a little tired by the end of the season. I really do. I think I think it was one of those things where it was just like they rode him so hard mm-hmm. because no one else really stood up that they needed other guys to stand up. And Gorn always Gorn, – I mean, every night, Gorn had to be the guy who scored eight in the first quarter and got him started. Why? Because he didn't have Dion this year. Yep. Because Hassan was a shell of himself in the last couple of years and, and regressed. Because Tyler, when he would come off the bench, wouldn't be that spark. Because J.J., whether it was a sports turner or not, wasn't that aggressive guy again that J.J. we saw from the from the year before. You add all this up, and it was a lot on Gorn. You would hope that somebody there now – can take away some of that and be like, hey, minimize the 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 importance of Gorn because he was so good throughout the year last year. That's why I made the All Star team. But by the end of the season, he was kind of like, eh, you know, he looked he just looked like a tired guy. Mm-hmm. What about his his summer last year and playing so competitively in such a high level? You I think you think does. that contributed no, to it at I, all? I don't. I don't. I, I think it may be a factor, and uh, but I just think again they need. I, look, we do the heat shows. I did the heat shows last year with John, right? And John Crotty, and I, I kid you not, I could go back on every heat show. Nine times out of ten, the main point for John would be got to get Goran going early. Yeah, that's that was the trigger of a heat good start. The, when Goran got ten early in the first half and the first quarter and got things going, the, but then you know again you're riding him so hard. 
he can't be the only guy. You need to get other guys. That's why the development of Justice and Jay Rich and these guys is so important. His first 40 games last year, he deserved to be an all-star. He did. The last three to four weeks before the all-star game and the rest of the year, he did not. And and I wonder if it was a combination of getting ridden hard, like you said. Also, I I think he was hurt. I think it was a combination of the two. He couldn't fully heal Mm -hmm. because they were riding him so hard. Um, And and Dookie, maybe that goes back to your point of the offseason, that he never got the chance to fully... Whatever it may be, the, the Goran Dragic in game 30 was nowhere near what we saw Goran Dragic game 50 through 82 in the playoffs. And also in the playoffs, he had nobody on Philly's roster he could guard anyway. So that was a tough That was a tough matchup for him. Yeah. Hassan is another one. You know, what is... It's looking more and more to me like Hassan Whiteside will be on this team. And I actually said that. In, I, I, one of the first pods we did this offseason with the Heat, I said, guys, there's just too much of an expectation that the Heat are going to move Hassan, which, yeah, while they may be out there asking... Teams aren't just going to be clamoring and jumping up and down going, give me Hassan right now, I'll give you anything. There's a very, very good possibility that Hassan White's going to be back on the Heat. What's what's the upside as far as, like, if you're a Heat fan, right, what's the good news? Like, what's, what's, what is the good Hassan if Hassan does what that you say, hey, it was worth it, we did it, it, it turned out okay? Stays mentally engaged, is not a problem to the team, makes himself a tradable asset by performing well. Um, What's well? Builds a What's time, performing well? Builds a time machine back to the NBA when you needed a center. Um, Is there another flux capacitor ain't coming. I, I mean, it's it's. I don't I don't want him shooting threes. I don't I don't want that to be his game. I want him to do what he does, but to do it when he's asked to do it and to not pout when he's not. Can, can I say which, which is which I know seems very simple, but that's what I want. So if he comes in and blocks two three shots, if he has parts of games where he's needed. Great, well, two, and that's it. Two two guys I'll bring up, and they're, they're they're different types of centers, but they can do the same kind of thing as Hassan. This is the guys I look at. Hassan could be a DeAndre Jordan type or an Andre Drummond type. Yes. What do those guys have in common? They're they are nonstop energy, constantly going for the ball, constantly outworking guys underneath. Hassan has the skill set and size to do that. Hassan should be a 15-14 guy every night. Is they that also, crazy? They don't, don't they don't care about scoring either, uh, both of those guys. I think that's a big part of it. I do uh, I do want to defend Hassan a little bit on this on this stuff, and and I think there is this, this feeling that it's an unforgivable sin to give less than maximum effort amongst fans, right? And and guys do it all the time. Uh, yes, all yes. The time. So so let's. That's one thing there. I think his looks worse because he's bigger and because his body language is really poor when he is not giving max effort. But a couple of things about Hassan that I, I do want to defend him on. I think he is always given effort off the floor and and I think he has bought into a lot of what the Heat have told him to do and nobody's perfect um, but I think it's pretty telling right now that he's working out with Dwayne Wade's trainer I think he's going and he's trying something different he's not so locked into all right I have my own way of doing things Um, it's not working but you know what darn it this is how I like to do it He's trying something different. He's going and doing something that it's supposed to improve his lateral quickness, maybe make him a better fit in today's NBA game. So I give him credit for that. I think it's really hard on him because I think in his mind, he's saying, look, I've done everything you guys have asked me to do. And I go out there, I'm not getting the minutes, I'm not getting the chance to impact the game. So I can understand his frustration there. Here's the other thing, guys. I know he gets into it with Spolstra, but Riley seems to have his back. 
And his teammates, I have never really seen his teammates throw him under the bus. No, they just I, want the best from him. They, yeah. they expect a lot from him. But I, the work ethics is always there. Yeah. And, and I think, so I, I think you could do a lot worse. And, and I feel like, unfortunately, and, and I'm not trying to sit here and say the guy's perfect, but I do think that there is an element where people run all the way to the other side a little bit too much. 100%. And, and I'm with so you. With, that, with all that said, he needs to give max effort. There is a place for what he does if you are an Andre Drummond, if you are a DeAndre Jordan, if you're going out there and you're working hard every single time, and I think you can really impact the game. He has to understand, though, that he's not going to get the plays run for him, and this is this is who he's going to have to be giving the effort. And, and then, yeah, I think he can still get back to being a, a valuable contributor on this team, uh, but it's going to take full engagement from him all the time on the floor. I agree, and I, and I also think he's not a bad teammate. I think you talk to players in the Heat, they really do like Hassan, yep. appreciate his hard work, know he's a talent, but they just want to see it consistently. One last mention of our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you, there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida. The best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. As we put our finishing touches in the pod, Dookie, as you leave now for a uh, two-week sabbatical to let your hair grow, uh, <laughs> when we speak again in two weeks, will this be the Heat roster? I mean, I'd like to hope that Dwayne Wade would be on it and Udonis Haslam would be on it. And I think that'll probably be it. You know what? At this point, that's enough. Come back, Dwayne. I think that'll that'll be the biggest part of the offseason. Uh, Pat Riley will keep on looking, and we will keep on talking. All right, that's your Miami Sports Podcast for this week. For Clay Farrell, Dookie Lang, who's got a haircut and he's leaving. Repeater tax for wow. the roster. Don't ever Because re- they all repeat. They do the same thing. Don't ever repeater that haircut. That's- I'm repeatering that joke. <laughs> it's terrible. You're not going to have me to kick around the next two weeks. Peace. Turn it off!